Brad, have you ever had a job that you were just woefully unprepared for? Woefully yes. wrong in <laughs> the wrong one. spot in the in the wrong spot at the wrong time? Yeah. What did you have one of those? Yes, I'm working at Mattel Toys and I'm, I don't know what I was, 25, 28, something like that. And I was writing copy for toys at this point in my career. And mainly I was writing for Cabbage Patch and Polly Pocket and Barbie. And yeah. something in me after, I, by the way, loved the job, had so much fun, loved my coworkers, loved my bosses, loved the stuff I was working on. We were having a lot of fun. We would laugh a lot. It was a great job. And then suddenly I got a bug up my butt and I was like, you know what? I would like to work on a boy's toy. I've, I've been in Mattel now for five years. I keep writing for go girls' toys. By the way, this is when Mattel was oddly gendered. I don't know that they gender yeah. it so much anymore. Like there's yeah. no there's no need to genderize toys like that. And so, right. But it used to be there was a boy's toy division and a girl's toy division. And I switched over I was like I want to work on I don't know what it was he-man and that kind of stuff yeah. and I got assigned to because I was the new kid on the block I got assigned to Hot Wheels well all right I can do Hot Wheels and then yeah. I got assigned to the very specific NASCAR account on Hot Wheels so I suddenly was responsible for writing about NASCAR Brad, there is no one in America who gives less of a shit about NASCAR and knows less about NASCAR than, than Dave Kellett. And so I was going into this like, wow, I don't know what to write. I don't know any of these drivers. I don't know the cars. Yeah. I, so what do you say? I, <laughs> I very quickly decided I wanted to run tail between my legs back to my old job. I asked my old boss. Yeah. He said, yeah, this is fine. It's going to take a couple weeks to get the transfer back approved so that you can come back. But so in the meantime, I start in the early pitch marketing meetings. I started slipping in stuff like, uh, like copy for the back of a package for a NASCAR or Hot Wheels. It's like, friends, do you enjoy truck nuts on your lifted F-150? <laughs> then you're gonna love this new NASCAR series. Friends, are you still angry about the war of northern aggression? Then you're gonna love this new NASCAR series. Because I just oh know nothing God. about NASCAR. To me, is just Bubba in a modified GM or something. You know, like I, I, yeah. I cannot grasp why people get excited about NASCAR. I do not get it. I don't understand. Although I do love the idea of truck nuts for a matchbox car. That, I mean, the, <laughs> little, little ball bearings. That would be amazing. Little, little, you know, and do the, does the, does the matchbox car, if you, if you flick it with your finger, does it go bug it, bug it, bug it, bug it, bug That's, and, and I like the fact also you had your finger right on the, on the pulse of NASCAR uh, culture because a lot of those announcements start with the word friends. They, all of them, they all, they all say, friends, would you like to hear about some NASCAR? They all start with the word friends. It's oh, wonderful. Brad, I, I cannot emphasize enough how tone imperfect I was for writing NASCAR. I had no idea of the vocabulary, of the tone, of, I just did not know or understand yeah. or care to know that world. I mean, like, did you ever get into racing? Was that ever something that you no, cared about? never, never got into racing. I, I, it, it, I don't you grew up in, you grew up in Michigan, so the Indy 500 never mattered to you. By the way, it never no, mattered to me. No, so really Indy never. 500 never mattered to you. F1, never. did that ever matter to you? Formula? Never, ever. No, I, I, I've got, I, my, my father-in-law is a huge F1 uh, racing fan. Uh, took me, we, we actually went to a race in mid-Ohio. Uh, and I, and it was just miserable. I, I, I just, it was just, uh, there was nothing I enjoyed about it, but like they had the shortwave radio so they could listen into the cockpit and stuff. Yeah. Uh, they were really into it, but no, that's something that I just don't get. I, I, I mean, to me, I kind of understand F1 cause it's like, 
here's a $40 million machine that Mercedes or, or Ferrari has fine-tuned, right? And it's like, it's owned by 100 millionaires. And But yeah. like NASCAR, the whole culture of NASCAR is we were making moonshine and we were trying to get away from the cops. So we modified these cars. And then we created a race where we were trying to race these modified moonshine cars. And that's yeah. the whole culture of NASCAR. And I just, it's 180 degrees from the life I lead. I'm like, what is this? I don't understand any of this. I'm just, I'm just hoping that if, if, if this whole comics thing doesn't work out, that you can go into writing maybe copy for monster truck races. Friends, <laughs> would you like to hear about some monster trucks? Friends, are you like me? Do you like it when they turn the stadium into a mud pit? <laughs> Friends, Friends, as Pericles said to the to the Ephesians, Friday, Friday, Friday. <laughs> friends, friends, I invite one. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. We're going to turn the stadium into a mud pit. And on that note, I'm going to say hello, everybody. And welcome to Comic Lab, the show about Dave inappropriately being assigned to write NASCAR and making comics. And friends making a living from comics. I'm Brad Geiger, the author of the Web Comics Handbook and the creator of Evil Inc., and his friend Dave Kellett, cartoonist of Drive and Sheldon and co-director of the comics documentary Stripped. And this week's Hour of Comics Advice is made possible by your support at patreon.com slash comic lab. So Dave, Dave, let's talk comics. Let's talk comics, my friend. And just a reminder that this show is going out live right now to our friends and pals over at patreon.com slash comic lab. We have a live gab group that joins us every week for the live stream and the show is archived every week. So if you happen to miss it, uh, the entire archive is there waiting for you and to watch on stream. And Bradley, what's the first topic we got for the show today? Cause I know you are oh. loaded for bear as oh. the teens like oh to say. Oh my gosh. Well, I, I gotta tell you, it's been an interesting Interesting weekend. Uh, we uh, this is we are recording the show on Tuesday, May thirty first, and we are uh, have been waiting for TCAF, the Toronto Comics Art Festival, to make an announcement in regards to Pink Cat Lady, who was somebody that was invited as a featured guest. Uh, the thing that made this controversial is that this person is mostly known for generating uh, NFTs. And this Brad, of and course, my favorite topic in art, NFTs. Oh, Here we go. <laughs> this, of course, especially for a organization such as uh, the Toronto Comics Art Festival, was very off-brand for them. And they yes. and they made their announcement Saturday, and it was just a studied drumbeat of this is terrible. We don't like this. There's nothing good about this. And of course, uh, here in the States, it was Memorial Day weekend. So there, there was a lot of people who were, I, I, my, my, my own personal headcanon, a lot of uh, independent artists who were looking at $6 a, a gallon for gas, decided not to take a road trip this weekend, were sitting around <laughs> with nothing better to do, and just started doing a deep dive on this person. And as luck would have it, uh, everything they found was worse than the thing that came before it. It just got worse and worse and worse. There were a lot of remarks that were very, very uh, problematic. A lot of things that this person was saying that was not very kind at all. And then there was the issue of a lot of their stuff uh, looked as if it had, it had been traced from other stuff. Not, not, 
photo reference like we were talking about last episode, but just straight up traced from yeah. other people's from art. Either, and then from either Tank Girl or 1930s Los Angeles Times or yeah. this or the, and, and people were doing side by sides and you're like, yeesh, as an artist, you're like, ooh, just, that good. Yeah. And of course, the but the central driver of all this was the NFTs, right? And so we well, and then, and then and then compounded by the fact that they were saying some pretty, pretty terrible human being yeah. stuff to other human yeah. beings. Yeah, it was not good. So it was it was it, uh, it was a steady drumbeat uh, the entire three day weekend of this is, you know, at TCAF, you got to You got to you got to make a statement about this. Finally, uh, yesterday or, or in the in the early afternoon, TCAF comes out with a tweet that says, we have heard your valid concerns and we are preparing a statement. And then two hours went by, three hours went by, four hours went by, almost 24 hours later, just as we were starting up the show. Uh, TCAF came up with their announcement that they are rescinding their guest invitation uh, uh, to this person. And they're saying it was an error. Uh, they're, they're citing code of conduct violations and they're, they're not going to have this NFT artist as uh, a featured guest. Uh, this is, by the way, after a couple of pretty big names pulled out of the show said, yeah. I'm not going, yeah. I'm not yeah. going. Yeah. Uh, so. The question I have for you, Dave Kellett, uh, it, 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 because this this one particular artist, I don't know that it's it's that that we get much out of like <laughs> doing anything more than what Twitter has been doing to them for three straight days. I think there's a bigger issue here. And it is this question I have for you. How do com comics companies, comics organizations, comics organizers, how do they keep stepping on the same landmine? And that is the toxic brand of NFTs. It's happened to Image Comics. It's happened to Gumroad. It's happening right now to TCAF. How do we keep how do we keep seeing these people who are supposedly pretty well versed, well connected into the comics community? How do they keep stepping on the same landmine? Well, I personally, Brad, think that it's it speaks to the power of really uh, expensive marketing and advertising pushes by the venture mm. capital behind a lot of NFTs. Because remember, yeah. in my in my formulation of what NFTs are, it's 100 millionaires, whether it be BlackRock or a, or a venture capital company or CAA, yep. Creative Arts Agency in Los Angeles, um, paying 10 millionaires like hosts of The Tonight Show or B-level actors or sometimes even A-level actors to promote NFTs to get people that are basically not able to invest to throw money at NFTs like they and and in the worst possible investment they could make. So it's 100 millionaires hiring 10 millionaires to tell you to buy uh, to people that shouldn't be investing to invest in NFTs. And it's just a fucking train wreck. It's it's. Uh, it's one of a long series of historical places where you can just see the the people that are uh, immorally going after uh, people that should not be investing, but should not be putting their money towards something that is not going to work. It's a house of cards. It's already falling apart. And the fact that they're still pushing it is yeah. uh, and this is you know part of the broader crypto picture. But there are people that that have this kind of like get rich quick kind of a feeling, which is so rarely how investing works. You know what I mean? 
mean? Investing yeah. is a long haul game. It's extra money that you have that you can set aside that's growing somewhere between one and if you're lucky, five, seven percent a year. It's not something that's going to grow five thousand percent a year. I mean, that's not how. That's how you know you're in some kind of a thing that's a little bit like the tulip uh, scandal of the 15th, 16th, 17th century. There. Uh, well, I don't know, Brad. What do you think? Why do you think oh. they keep falling for it? I, I, I don't know. In general, I don't know. Speaking about TCAP specifically, you know, they said, and this is quoting their statement that I'm looking at right now, TCAF initially extended a programming invitation on the basis of their daily digital comics work on Instagram and the personal importance that work had to one of our team members. Now, I see a lot of people on Twitter saying, well, that means they must have owned an NFT. I don't know that <laughs> Some that's- Some pink cat at NFTs. Yeah, I don't know that that's a fair leap to make. I, yeah. I, it, it, it's to say that that, though, that the two follow. I see a lot of people making that statement on Twitter. I don't know that it's a fair statement to make. And I would, listen, give it just out of the pure human generosity of giving somebody the benefit of the doubt. I don't know that it's fair to say that. If, if they're saying it had personal importance, it had personal importance. Uh, I don't know that that means that it had financial importance, but why do companies in general keep making this like you, let's take that out of the, out of the mix completely. How do these companies keep making this? I, I, I don't know. I don't know how, I don't know how this, we're almost halfway through 2022. NFTs have been toxic since the middle of last year. Okay, yeah, I've got yeah. I've got uh, uh, posts on webcomics.com that go back that far saying, oh, here, what's an NFT? Let's talk about it. So on and so forth. It's first crested and it has been completely, you know, it's been bad press ever since then. And right. by the way, from my uh, from my opinion, rightly deserved bad press. Right. In my opinion, NFTs are a complete con game. It's a pyramid scheme. All you got to do is read a little bit about this pump and dump mentality and see some people really getting hurt. Throw in the environmental concerns and yep. you've got a real major mess. How do you keep stepping on that landmine? My own personal thought is that you have some people probably at the executive level of some of these groups um, that that really believe in this somehow. And and I but and they think it's going to happen differently for them. Well, what made this specific weekend and this TCAT situation so mind boggling was, Brad, had you told me that Wizard World or New York Comic Con uh, had fallen for this? I, the corporate aspect of it would have made me be like, nah, all right, yeah, I can see this. A corporation falling for some shell game of NFTs and somebody, there's payola or something. I don't know what happened. But the fact that TCAF has earned so much goodwill, and I personally think yes. it's wonderful people that run the show, and it's on a semi-volunteer, volunteer basis for a lot of those folks. Uh, yeah. They really, really, really do a good job of outreach in comics so that it's not the same 20 white guys being invited as special guests. Yeah. They really do. And they go around the world. They invite Japanese. They invite um, Franco-Belgian. They invite European comics. They invite South American comics, um, a cartoonist. And uh, to their great advantage, like, I, it's great to go to TCAF. I love when I could kind of swing it. I loved yeah. going to TCAF. It was fun. It's a fun show. You're meeting cartoonists you've never met from around the world. The The feeling of the show was great because both uh, both the, um, the 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 local government, the regional government financially supports it. So it's a free show to walk into. And everyone, uh, all the staff of the Beguiling, which is the comic book shop that runs it, and their mm-hmm. volunteers do a great, great job. It's a really warm 
welcoming yeah. show. So that's what made this so mind boggling is that they had earned so much goodwill among the comics community that everyone was like, myself included, was like, what? Why would you, why would you fall for this? So yeah. on a human level, I, I will be honest that we have to allow for one another to just say, look, I made a mistake and I'm, I'm fixing it. And I think that's in, in my best foot forward attitude about this. I yeah. think that's what we just have to allow for is that they fucked up and someone didn't, didn't do a, a, a thorough enough background check after one staffer probably said, Hey, I really like this cartoonist. Yeah. And, uh, they didn't do a check and, and I think it, it snowballed <laughs> in the way that we talked about previously. And I, I think we have to allow for their apology yeah. to, to now bear fruit because they have earned such goodwill. Had they, had they screwed the commerce community for decades, I would have been like, well, the hell with them, yeah. but they're, they are good people and they're mostly volunteers. And it is a good show that I want to allow for them for some space to say, look, we messed up and we're going to try to make this better. Yeah. Now here's my question to you. If, and as we see NFT booths, at bigger comic conventions. Like San Diego Comic-Con, by the way, I can absolutely talk about this coming up. Yes, go <laughs> ahead. I, did, I, I, was, I was bringing that up gingerly because I don't know how much you're able to talk about that uh, well, at this point. Well, I, okay, I can talk about it. They shoot, then good, let's gallop forward. Exhibitors at San Diego Comic-Con already have access to the map of the show yeah. floor, and it's a massive map. But I, uh, whenever I have a down moment, uh, every year in the past at Comic-Con, oh, yeah. I would look at the map, because it's kind of fun to sort of digitally scroll around, because I don't tend to get to walk the floor, so it's fun to see yeah. who goes, right? And within a five-row distance from me, Brad, I have two companies that absolutely are 100 percent in on comics and nfts they're the perfect marriage you know <laughs> yeah yeah and by the way i've never heard of these companies before so they're all kind of new fly-by-night type things and i can guarantee with every fiber of my soul that they will not be there next year but they're there this year and they've already paid for the booth and it's nfts and comics and i don't know what they're going to do at comic-con like are you going to be given a chance to buy an nft of something on yeah. the show floor i guess what I, the whole the NFTs in general just make me feel so angry. That's so useless. The whole <sighs> thing is so useless. I know that it's, I, I also know that when I talk about it, I sound like an old man yelling at a cloud. Yeah. Like I, I know that I sound old, but also no, it's useless. It's a useless fucking thing. I don't need a, a, an animated GIF of somebody slamming a, 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 you know, a slam dunk in the NBA. And that's my own, who cares? Nobody Actually, owns that. I, I, I don't think you sound like an old man because that means I sound like an old man. And I know I don't when I say that you and I have been making, uh, uh, building a business on the valuation of digital uh, 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 true, merchandise true, true. for years now. And, yeah. and, and, and we know that there's a value in digital merchandise. We know that ebooks, e-comics, digital rewards on Patreon, we know those things have uh, value. The, the what what it comes down to is that part of it for me a little bit is I get a little bit upset at NFTs because it kind of it it, it 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 comes into the digital commerce situation and and it kind of makes the rest of it look bad right it's like listen we got a good thing going here with digital commerce and and digital merchandising don't screw it up for us and, and it's because at some point people are going to take a look at the, the people are going to start thinking that NFTs are in, an investment, just like they thought Beanie Babies were an investment, just like some of them thought comics were an investment back in the 90s. And they're going to be very upset when this does not pan out. Why? And, and by the way, how can I make that prediction? It's just the law of economics that have been around since the beginning of economics, supply and demand. There is no scarcity to that. 
And so there is no valuation. Yeah. There is a value to digital co- commerce. Absolutely. But to, to, to put that valuation above what you would uh, expect and above what is reasonable and logical just isn't going to happen. It's a, and, and again, that whole part of the other thing about the NFTs is that the whole thing is built to be a scam, right? When you take yeah. a look at the board apes and, and it's just built so that it can be, you can crank out hundreds and hundreds of iterations with one small change between all these different images. Doesn't that tell you everything you need to know? Yeah. Doesn't that tell you what they're up to? It's just right there facing you in the face. Uh, that's kind of why I dislike all this. Uh, and it just amazes me. I, I will be interested to see if the NFT booths at, uh, at a place like Comic-Con International actually gather a crowd. I don't know what um, is going to be more surprising to me if they do gather a crowd and I'm just depressed about it or if there's there's just nobody there and, you know, we all get to enjoy the schadenfreude. I do love it when you when you bust that Schadenfreude. That's great. Um, our one our one Austrian listener is going. Oh, I love it. He used the word again. That's great. Um, yeah. So the uh, to me the uh, part of it is. Have you ever noticed how like even even amongst the crypto crash of the last couple of weeks? Yeah. Have you noticed that you're still seeing ads for crypto? Yes. Because my my thing is. A lot of that money was spent three months ago buying ad space. And so even though crypto is absolutely in the toilet right now, yeah. those ads are still running. You know, partially it's also because you got to feed the beast in terms of this this weird uh, uh, pyramid scheme that is crypto. But uh, the same thing is true with NFT. A lot of these boosts were bought before the floor started to drop out on these NFT prices where you'd have $300,000 NFTs now selling for $2.50, you know? Yeah. And so a part of me is wondering, I, I know for a fact that I'm not going to see these NFT boosts this year or next year, but this year, I wonder if that money was already spent by the venture capitalists and the, wow. the money behind NFTs. And now it's just like, well, in for a penny, in for a pound. Yeah, but we already uh, bought the money spent. Yeah, so I don't know how much of a of a earnest, heartfelt push, I guess, is what I'm saying. Those booths are going to have yeah. at Comic Con. I don't know. Have you ever have you ever been to a Comic Con where a project fell apart in real time while the booth was at Comic Con? Have you, I've had that once or twice, <laughs> either a comic really? project or a movie project, or, and the booth is just like it becomes functionally useless. That's yeah. what I feel like those NFT booths at Comic Con are going to be functionally useless. Like they'll they'll attract a few idiots that are like well, NFTs. That sounds great, but um, for the most part, people are going to. I think people are starting to cotton on now to the idea that NFTs are are just the the worst in terms of of shell game and and pyramid schemey type of multi-level marketing uh yeah. it's it, it just the whole thing makes me sad it makes me sad because there's some there's some good artists that are that were that are hard up for new income streams yeah. that that got excited and got and and unfortunately this is where that same marketing and advertising money that those venture capitalists poured into NFTs can have yeah. a bad influence on the world it's not only fooled corporations it's not only fooled comic-cons it's fooled a lot of fellow artists that are like i'm going to try it i'm going to do these NFTs and it's right. like no read the writing on the wall it's just yeah. it is not worth your time your investment your money your your eyeballs or your 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 moral turpitude that was the most insidious thing about NFTs for me was that, that every time you saw somebody who was doing great with NFTs, the art was always horrible, right? Yes, yeah. And 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 I really started to feel like that was a feature and not a bug. In other words, the whole idea was people who actually could do go- good art was supposed to look at that and say, "Well, if 
that made a thousand dollars, I could make ten thousand dollars. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. It, it really felt like it was part of what was going on there. Is that every time you saw an NFT that was supposedly sold for uh, you know huge amounts of money that may or may not have existed by the, the next day, uh, it was all terrible art. It was always terrible art, and it that, that bugged me. That bugged me. Yeah. Yeah. But it also part of this speaks to not to belabor the point, but part of this speaks to the fact that it's hard to make a living at comics, even yeah. among traditional Yo. big two cartoonists. So when somebody like Substack comes along and says, here's one hundred and fifty thousand dollars or a company comes along to artists that I know and approaches them and say, here's X amount of dollars. If you do NFTs, you jump at it because you, it's a hard way to make a living cartooning, you know, yeah. but it's, it's, it's a bummer. It is a tremendous bummer that this has suckered in more than a few companies, more than a few people. And I look forward to the end of it. Hey, if you're listening while you work, take a minute to stand and stretch. And while you're doing that, we're going to tell you why you should join us on Patreon. When you do, you're going to get hours and hours of podcasts that we've recorded just for backers. And exclusive Patreon posts that go even deeper on Comic Lab topics. And access to our exclusive Discord server, which is a thriving community of professional cartoonists. So you can support the show you love and get tons of actionable resources for your own cartooning. And listen, if you can't swing a pledge this month, we get it. No worries. Yeah, yeah, listen, you can still support the show by rating us wherever you get your podcasts. Just leave a five-star review and a few kind words. That, along with mentions on social media, is incredibly helpful. Now, everybody, let's talk comics. All right, Brad, well, I got a perfect question for you as a man who has been suckered by a phishing scam. So let's, um, <laughs> let me read this next We're question. We're going comes right in, in, are we? We're going right for the jugular on that one as a pal, yeah. right? All right, so uh, this one comes in from patreon.com slash comic lab and writes, hey guys, do you have any advice for rebuilding a social media account? I had a small Instagram following I built organically with a lot of focused work, and it has taken over in a phishing scam. Ooh. PSA, if you get a direct message from someone you know on Instagram asking for help with a login, it ain't them, and they are trying to hijack you. Yeah. Instagram has been zero help, so I started a new account. My question is how to start over. How do I get those followers again? Should I repost some of my best work? Should I try to recreate popular posts. I'm worried that would just annoy people, but at the same time, I have about five years of this profile being a good portfolio to show people. Yeah. I want to rebuild that to some degree, but I'm stuck in decision paralysis as mm. to how to approach this. Any insight would be useful. Thanks. So Brad, this is a good question because as much as I yeah. was joking and went for the jugular right out the bat, <laughs> we've all at one oh. point or another uh, gotten hook, line, or sinkered by something online because all it takes, Brad, is one moment where you're distracted or your guard is down or you're trusting and and suddenly a phishing scam works or, or yeah. you know, this or that works. So uh, I would love to hear first, do you want to remind people what happened to you oh. real quick? As a matter of fact, I looked up the episode number. It was way back episode 26. It was what are we on now, by the way, episode number wise? 230 something. Jeez. Wow. Yeah. All right. We're, okay, we're way up in the, in the, in the rafters now, but this was going back to 2018, 2036. It was going on to, I think Labor Day weekend. We were getting ready to leave for Labor Day weekend. And I got one of these messages that said, Oh, you need to sign on real quick. Here's a link to help you do it. Uh, 
and it said it's from my bank. And I said, oh, my bank needs me to sign on. I got to do it real quick and then I can go on vacation. I clicked the link. As soon as I clicked the link, I said, what are you doing? What is, you don't need, your, your bank is not named, you know, Fred's bank. You go to a completely different bank. You know, it, was, it wasn't even close. And, and it was, uh, it, it's did so. The, did, the, did the message sound like this from your bank? Hello, Bradley. We would like you to click link. It's important for you to click link. Yeah, but, but I just tell you that for, for no other reason to say, listen, it happens to the best of us. So here's the deal. You got it. You got <laughs> it happens to the best of us and also Brad. So it happens to <laughs> most everyone you know. <laughs> it's better late than never with the punchline. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Dude, Kelly, with the pro-level timing just, on that, I huh? just served it up to you on a silver platter and going, you're not going to dunk on that? Okay, you know I'm not going to set you up anymore. You, you, set up the, the, you, know, the, the, you set up the shot perfectly, and you could hear my footsteps running down the hall towards the microphone. <laughs> oh, and also Brad Geiger. Oh, yeah, it, the it. best of us. And also Brad Geiger. Oh, oh, God. oh my God. Boy, <laughs> we, we may room. not make it to 240. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> so, yeah, here's the deal. It does happen. Oh, and by the way, that PSA, thank you for saying that. I don't know whether this is happening to you, Dave. I've dealt with this about three or four times now where somebody starts DMing me who's never DMed me before and saying, Hey, Oh, you know, and, and they start out trying to make a conversation and everything. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm not talking to this guy. What if I ever DM this guy, you know? And, right. and then you go at what I've done a couple of times is if it's on Facebook, I go over and find him on Instagram or I go over and find him on, on Twitter. And I say, Hey, I'm getting weird messages from you. Do you know anything about it? And they go, Oh yeah, I was hijacked. <laughs> and it's like this is happening a lot. Oh so wow! It's an important bit. Here, so well, here's where my bad. life. Here's where my life strategy of being both antisocial and not yeah. liking to talk to people uh, really has paid off uh, in wonderful ways in my life. Because anytime even Brad messages me, I'm like, Nah, do I want to respond? Do, I don't do I know. Really want to uh, take this? I talk to message? him once a week at the podcast. Do we need? Uh, I'll, I'll and talk that's to too him much then. as it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's so so. Yeah. Good PSA. Now let's get down to the to the to the nitty and the gritty here. Okay. How do okay. you rebuild? And in this person's original question, they had a couple of uh, they had a couple of thoughts. Right? Yeah. Should I repost best work? Should I try to recreate popular posts? And then they went on to say, "I'm worried that that would just annoy people." But at the same time, I have five years of this profile being a good portfolio. So here's the thing. Everything, all of your instincts are right. You repost uh, old work. Absolutely, you do. You mm -hmm. try to recreate those posts that were particularly strong. Of course you do. Yep. The only thing I want to get into your head is that one part where you said, I don't want to annoy people. I need you to pump the brakes for me a little bit there. Nobody ever succeeded at social media worrying about whether they were annoying people. All right. In fact, if you notice, the people that is that succeed the most on social media are kind of the most annoying people that are out there. They're not they're not spending any time losing sleep over whether they're being annoying. And, uh, you know, if you talk to you're probably one of them, uh, you know that if you talk to any artist on social uh, uh, on, on social media about the algorithm, the first thing they're going to tell you is that not all of their messages are getting out there. Right. 
Uh, and that's the first thing they're going to say. Well, and one thing that I want to jump in to say is is uh, it's a slight differentiation from what Brad just said. And I agree is that uh, you can't worry about being annoying, but also you can't worry about being annoying. Because remember, these are people that chose to follow you. They're yes. actively saying they want more of you in their life. So it's not like you're a cold call salesperson going up to someone's house going ding dong. Hey, you want to buy a fuller brush? You're yeah. you're a boy. What a reference. I just wow. made a fuller brush reference. Wow. Talk 19- about something. Nobody on the podcast. Am I 110 years old? Jeez Louise, a <laughs> fuller, fuller brush reference. The fuller brush man, man. man uh, for people overseas, okay, there used to be door-to-door salespeople in the US, yeah. and one of the more famous ones in like the 30s and 40s was the Fuller Brush Company, and they would come up and try to sell you brushes. Yeah. What the hell kind of a reference was that? Why did I bring that anyway? You so, could you could update 10 years and still be with buggy whips. <laughs> 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 um, so anyway, what I'm getting at is it's not like you're cold calling. They have yeah. chosen to have you in their life. They've invited right. you basically into their feed. And yeah. so one, fo- so I agree with Brad, you, you kind of can't be annoying to these people because a, they've invited you. And also to Brad's point, the algorithm is already blocking a good chunk of what you're sending them anyway. So you're, you're not being as annoying as you feel you are. So that's number one. Yeah. So here's a different question for you, Brad, because I, like you agree that they should try to rebuild their feed. Yeah. So let's say it's five years. Let's just say there were, this is a made up number, but there were 500 original posts on their Instagram feed, right? Yeah. Would you suggest that they bang, 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 repost all 500 of those things so that they instantly have an archive again? Or would you recommend that they do like two a day, one new one and one old one for two and a half years? I would, I would maybe set a base at maybe 10 or 12, maybe even 20. Uh, on the first day, just so that there's a lot there. So that if you get somebody, they don't go and see just one, right? So I would set a base, maybe a dozen, couple dozen. And then after that, I would go one or two a day and just hit that drum nice and steady from that point on. Uh, You don't need to rebuild it all in one day. Uh, And by posting uh, as a steady stream, you're going to get a a lot more out of the algorithm as it's seeing people engaging and so forth. That's true. That's true. I want to see that go out as a slower stream. And also, here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want to see a lot of explaining. This falls under the same heading as when somebody says, hey, no post today. I got the tummy issues and we're going to post again tomorrow. But sorry, there's no post today. I don't want to see a lot of explaining. I don't want you to say on a post, I'm sorry if this is the second time you're seeing this. I don't want to see that. I don't want you to be saying a whole lot of, oh, I got fished. And so I'm reposting. I don't want to see the word repost in there too often. Right. You can address it if somebody brings it up. In fact, that's good engagement, but I don't want to see a lot of excuse making, a whole lot of uh, equivocation, a whole lot of hand wringing. I want you to go out there, pretend like you're posting this up for the first time. Bang, 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 bang. Here's some more stuff. You're going to love it. Bang, bang, bang. Because that's the kind of stuff that people are going to respond to. Nobody wants to hear your tale of woe. Go out there and just start building it and then use all of those strategies that we've been talking about on this show since day one. The four scenes of social media, the idea of having share thoughts in your posts. What are the good practices for the social media platform that you're on? Yeah, that's how you're going to rebuild that day by day. 
I would say this, that uh, this is a great opportunity to sort of to burn off your least effective ones in the in, in that first archive burst, yeah, you know? Yeah. Like put the least effective ones in that first group of 20 or 30 because why not? They'll sit at the bottom of the tank anyway. Yeah. But then you've got an archive. The Instagram algorithm starts to read you as someone who's posting, but it's the least effective ones way at the bottom that people are going to forget about anyway. And then yeah. as you build, you can start to use those most effective ones again. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't lead off with the mo the ones that were tried and true effective comics. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't save those until you've gotten a little bit of of uh, of an audience rebuilt. Um, but like Brad, I would say don't apologize. You yeah. can make one comment once so that if people were curious, they'll see it. But again, it's confidence. It's yeah. pure entertainment here. We're not an apology factory and we're not, you know, yeah. explaining this every, oh, you know, every week uh, to, to annoy people. It's um, again, it's an entertainment thing. It's and, not and, an apology. It's not an apology engine. And, and, and if you're, if you're saying, especially if you say it in your profile, Hey, I'm reposting a bunch of old work. Nobody wants to follow that. No, that's not a, that's not a marketing phrase. That's not as good as saying friends. I'd like to tell you about NASCAR. Would you sit down and fold your hands? No, that, that's not friends, a good marketing. Friends, do you enjoy shopping for your groceries at Piggly Wiggly? Well, then maybe you'll like NASCAR friends. Hello, friends. It's Dave Kellett, your NASCAR copywriter. Hello. Joining you once again with my 20-volume Oxford English Dictionary to tell you about NASCAR, friends. Friends, are you looking for a, something nice for date night? Something maybe maybe take a couple of the cousins out to? Well, I've got good news for you. Uh, so, no, you, it's not a good marketing push is to say, hey, I'm reposting a bunch. Nobody wants that. They want to see good stuff. And again, it's also a little bit, uh, for me, it's a little bit cocky to think that people have memorized all my old stuff and they're going to say, oh, I've seen this before. Out of all the stuff they're seeing, out of all the stuff they're scrolling, they're actually going to sit there and say, oh, yeah. I, I, and if they do, great. Fantastic. You know, nobody's I can't imagine anybody's going to have a problem with it either. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, so so don't don't get into your head on this. You can you can do yourself uh, a lot of disservice by getting too much wrapped up into your own insecurities. Go out there and start building. Here's the thing that I want you to do. You have an opportunity here. This is not a problem. This is an opportunity. You've got a whole metric ton of content and a social media platform to build. Most of us are building social media these days with the stuff that we're doing right now. And by mm -hmm. the way, I think you should be posting uh, reruns and old work on social media uh, as well. Because again, social media doesn't necessarily reward creativity. It rewards frequency and consistency. So I, it, we could all be taking a page out of this, but you've got a particular advantage. You've got a whole bunch of content just waiting to schedule out and drip out into social media. You are in a great position, my friend. This is wonderful. You can plan it out. You can take a little time with it. You can schedule it. You mm -hmm. can find out what times work best for you. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to worry about coming up with new content. You've got a bucket full of it sitting right there. You, you have a fantastic position to deal from. Don't look at this like a problem. This is an absolute beautiful opportunity. Well, and then I, I know that I am uh, a squeaky wheel about this with Instagram, but the one thing that I noticed, and I couldn't help but notice this in yeah. this question, is they said, I want to rebuild it for my portfolio. Yeah. 
They did not say, I want to rebuild it as a source of income that I have lost. Because again, <laughs> I just want to say this to the world. I am not sure that Instagram is doing us any favors as cartoonists, as an income source or a leg under our table for our careers. Yeah. I, I, it's sort of cur I'd be curious to see as a cartoonist that so, since you have been hacked, has there been yeah. any difference in your income stream for your cartooning? Yes. Uh, that you went from five years of work on Instagram to nothing, or if you if you do an introspective look at it, is it really just the ego hit of, I don't have those followers anymore, yeah. and that's making me sad, or is it yeah. the financial hit of, no, that was bringing me in income, and I'm sad about that. Uh, because I say this as someone for whom I have a very large following on Instagram, I would think, yes. but it doesn't do anything for me. And I, I think more of us, if we're being quietly uh, truthful about it, would admit the same thing. So, Dave, are, would you go so far to say that if you were in the same position that you wouldn't even bother rebuilding on, on Instagram? Wow, that's a good question. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm, I'll tell you what, from my standpoint, I don't think that I would. If I got hacked tomorrow and <laughs> knowing me, it could happen, it might have already happened. Uh, <laughs> I don't know that I would bother to rebuild it. And I'll I, I, go ahead. What are your yeah. thoughts on that? No, I, I, it's funny that you should direct it at me because, yeah. you know, sometimes life offers you opportunities in like, uh, you you had mentioned before that uh, David Letterman had his house burned down, but I think this was a pre-show. But sometimes life offers you a fresh start in a terrible yeah. way, you know, like yeah. and and you yeah. don't see it at the time. But uh, if if my Instagram got hacked, maybe you're right, Brad. Maybe I wouldn't rebuild it. I don't know. Maybe I'm just sort of continuing it because like I've already built it up, and why well, yeah. you can't just walk away from this? That's but, what this guy's saying. Uh, yeah, yeah, and and so I don't. I don't know. That's a really good question, Brad. A really good question. Yeah. Because, and listen, I'll be the first to admit uh, it's an easier decision for me because I think I've got what, about 5,000, 5, 3,000 followers on Instagram? Uh, it, it's not it's not an impressive number if you get into numbers. Of course, remember, what do I always tell you? You don't measure number, you don't measure people on social media, you measure. Uh, passion. Okay. I've got 2,400 followers on Instagram. Not exactly tearing up the pee patch. You've got like 40,000. Tearing up the pee patch. You've never uh, heard that. That was a baseball announcer phrase. Uh, what do you have? Patch. What a great phrase. You've got 40,000. You've got 40,000. So yeah. you've got doing Geiger math. You've got about 20 times more than I've got, right? Yes. Did I do that right? Can you yes. check? Can somebody check me on that, please, with the calculator? <laughs> You've got 20 times more than I've got. It's going to be a different, it's going to be a more difficult decision than you. I can, I can throw away 2,000 easily. <laughs> I, I, uh, listen, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I bet if I looked over the last five years, those 40,000 people have brought in less than $500 of income for me. Yeah, I believe in, it. In my Kickstarters, my Patreon, my, I, I, again, I wouldn't say this unless it were true. I don't think Instagram is doing us any favors as cartoonists. So by all means, go ahead and rebuild it. You have the work, you know how to work on, on Instagram, but maybe, maybe take this moment to ask an introspective question of what do you want out of Instagram? And if it is yeah. just a portfolio piece to get hired or to get commission work, that's fine. I get that. That's, it's it's certainly a prettier look with a bigger audience than say a deviant art um uh but but maybe just take it as a moment of introspection to see uh what this what this moment could could offer you in in terms of a fresh start or what it's bringing you in terms of the work put into instagram yeah yeah i think i think that's the best advice we can give in this situation is to say take a look at this as an opportunity not a problem
Yep. So Dave, I've got one more question that I'd like to see if we can uh, belt out of here while we've got a little time. Comes in from our friend Adonis, who says, as I continue to work on the writing for my comic book, I notice that the confidence in my writing is lacking. Would it be better use of my time to continue the same comic, the one that is long form, and learn from the inevitable mistakes I will make or work on a smaller scale comic similar to short stories in order to improve my writing. I've been conceptualizing this comic for two years, but only started really writing it in the end of 2021. So I've been itching to get it done. Thank you again for all the good vibes, laughs, and positive energy. By the way, he says, P.S. I've been accepted to Carnegie Mellon Graduate School and start this fall for computational biology. That's kind of impressive. <laughs> I wrote a while back about taking the time invested for school and comics and the advice you guys gave me helped me to decide graduate school. But oh, good. comic book creation continues to be a passion. So Adonis, let's give let's give this uh, this really smart uh, Carnegie Mellon graduate student a little advice on writing. Should he stick with that long form story that he's doing or should he pull back and start doing some short form? Can I just say one thing about the idea of going to grad school and having comics, yeah. too, is that um, some people online, these sort of inspirational speakers they're always like, you make a goal and it's the only goal. You go hard. There's no f plan B. There's no fallback yeah. or else you won't commit to it. And I'm always like, it's your life. Have a <laughs> fucking plan B. You know what I mean? Like, take a, there's nothing wrong with going hard on art and like trying yeah. to make a career in art, but also having a responsible plan B. I never understand this. You only, you only have a plan A. You'd never have a plan B. Yeah. To me, that feels like woefully irresponsible. To, anyway, so. I actually got that advice once from somebody who I really respect and who was tr earnestly trying to give me good advice. Uh, he said, I never, ever had a plan B it, because if I did, I would have used it and I wouldn't be in comics today. And I, I get that. I get that. But boy, when you've got a family and you've got a life partner and kids, uh, oof, it's hard to go out and not yeah. have a plan yeah. B. It's hard not to at least think about plan B a little bit. Uh, yeah. but, uh, but let's, let's give Adonis a little bit of yeah, thought. So okay. So first thing, Adonis, uh, congratulations on grad school. And just remember, as you go into computational biology, that you have access to a living calculator at any point, if you need yes. him, Brad, yes. who knows, I think, you know, 23, 24,000 units of pi out to the 24,000. 24, absolutely. I, so, I, I know, I know cherry and peach. <laughs> I, I know lemon and oh apple. Oh my god! Uh, for not having any prompting and going right to that, that was a yeah, great and, twist. And, and I, I didn't appreciate. have any pause there either, did I? <laughs> yeah, I can tell how, how top of mind pie is for you. That's great. Um, so anyway, uh, Adonis, as far as uh, as storytelling, yeah, ab this is absolutely a muscle that needs to be trained, and you don't yeah. start to try bench pressing three hundred pounds right off the bat, do you? You try to start with smaller weight. You bench press yeah. hundred. You bench press one twenty five. You bench press one hundred and fifty, and then you get up to bench pressing 300. And I say this because I know it immediately draws Brad's attention because he's very focused on what he can bench. I can just tell by looking at this video stream, Brad is constantly working on his bench pressing. Yes. So, uh, boy, what an, what an abusive stream this has become in the last two minutes. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> Uh, anyway, so yeah, you you obviously don't jump in at a 300 pound bench press and you wouldn't yeah. jump in on a 300 page story. It is, I think, a smart idea to sort of build up a little bit of muscle, yeah. work on your introduction of characters, work on your rising action, your climax, your conclusions in a nice short story. And it, it sort of uh, gives you better insight to how to tackle the long one. 
um, and and gives you uh, incre- increases your writing chops all across the board yeah. in terms of character development, setting a scene, building, rising the action, get reaching the climax, and getting the denouement. Brad, what are yeah. your thoughts? I I underline that a hundred percent. In fact, I use it with my storytelling students all the time. Uh, we do a number of, uh, of flash writing sessions. Like I give them 15 minutes to write uh, it's super short <laughs> flash stories. writing sessions, meaning yeah. you have to write about Barry Allen. That's the only That's thing. That's right. Can... That's right. Yeah, or okay. Wally West, depending <laughs> on what uh, where you're going. What a deep cut for the nerds out there. That's great. <laughs> Some of the older students like to do Jay Garrick, but uh, we try not to get too far into that. By the way, when I when I make a, when, uh, a a joke about a deep cut, all you need to remind me is that I mentioned the Fuller Brush Company brand yeah. on the podcast. Yeah. That's all Fuller you need brush. to do. Fuller Brush, oh, man. Uh, but, but no, I like, I like the idea of doing, uh, short stories and a lot of them. And sometimes yep. my students give me a little bit of pushback. They're like, well, wait a minute, I'm working. I, I want to write a chapter to a story and that's valid too. And I'm like, it absolutely is valid. It'll get you an F on this assignment, but it'll be a valid F. Uh, you need to learn how to write a story beginning, middle and end, how to bring it up. Like Dave just got done saying how to build that tension up, release it. And then the hardest thing of all, write a conclusion so that all of it means something, right? Yeah. Uh, that introduction, uh, middle conclusion, each one of them is a challenge. And you're not going to get there uh, getting into the weeds on this long 300-page epic that you've got in mind. Yes. Uh, you're going to be much better served by spending the next couple of years by writing super, and I'm talking like short, short stories, right? Not, 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 not going from 300 to 250. I'm talking about writing some short, short stories so you can really practice setting up a concept, building it, building that tension, releasing it, bringing it home over and over and over again, right. then take some bigger story sweeps. That's my advice to you. Yeah, and I think uh, you'll find uh, also in this time of of short stories, it's a good time for experimentation, both yeah. for line art, for the way you're structuring your panels, for the way you're doing your pacing and your timing, for the for the angles that you're drawing people at, three quarters full full you know full on uh, bird's eye view, worm's eye view. This yes. is a moment for experimentation. So not yeah. only in your writing but in your drawing, it's a great time to sort of uh, f- uh, flex a little bit, see where your style is gravitating towards, and then when you finally land on something that you like, that's what you incorporate into that yeah. three hundred page story. Now we've been talking with Dave a little while about. Uh, uh, what he does after Sheldon and uh, would you take this uh, advice? Is there something that you'd be interested in experimenting with in terms of doing a few short stories and seeing what uh, interests you as a writer? I, I, don't know. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I got you I don't by know. surprise with that. You one. did. Uh, because for me, I, I have this weird thing where if I'm going to put in work on something, it's yeah. got to in some way advance either my career or my income. Mm-hmm. And I feel like for me, the short story would be useless in in the sense of how do I monetize it? So I feel like, it, and maybe that's unfair. Maybe that's me putting a, a spin on it that I don't need to. Yeah. But can I, speaking of which, and not to make it the Dave show, but uh, this week I started back on Sheldon after finishing up Anatomy of Dinosaurs. Yeah. And dang it, Brad, if I didn't enjoy going back to it. So, well, I don't, Brad, I don't know you're, where I am this like, week. Like what, going uh, back to an ex-girlfriend. You're, you're not some, you, did, you, you went back for that 3 a.m. booty call and there's Sheldon just waiting for you. <laughs> Boy, that was 
was a weird mixed metaphor. Don't, don't, don't do that. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't know where I am on that right now, but uh, yeah. uh, yes, I think broadly speaking, I'm still of the same logical mind frame that it's that it's probably time to wrap it up. But it is yeah. weird that I went back to it and was like, oh gosh, this is fun. Wow. I enjoyed this. Um, That's- but that is that, I, that. But I'm telling you, at some point, I think all of us, what you're going through is very normal, very natural. At some point, all of us have to get to that point where we say, hey, I think it's time we got to wrap that up. As a matter of fact, it's time that we wrap up this episode of Comic Lab and tell you that you've been listening to Comic Lab, the show about making comics and making a living from comics. Your hosts have been my friend, the king of end of show segues, <laughs> Brad Geiger, the editor of webcomics.com and the creator of Evil Inc. at evil-comic.com. When you said that uh, it's time to wrap this up, I almost choked on my tongue. I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> gift from heaven. Uh, and my friend Dave Kellett, the co-director of Stripped and the cartoonist of Sheldon at sheldoncomics.com and Drive at the newly redesigned, and man, you got to go see it. It's beautiful. Drivecomic.com. And a big shout out and a thank you to this week's sponsors. Remember, friends, if you enjoy getting stuff at the getting store, you'll love NASCAR. That's N-A-S-C-A-R. It's not like fancy cars like F1s. They're just modified Chevys and Fords, everybody. And the Comic Lab theme song is used with permission from Andy Creighton at theworldrecord.net. And this episode was edited by Matt Woodard of Woodsong Productions over at www.woodsong.media. If you love Comic Lab, you can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, and you may hear your review featured on a future episode. And Comic Lab is made possible by your support at patreon.com slash comic lab. So we'll go ahead and say that twice. Patreon.com slash getting stuff at the getting store. Ding dong, Fuller Brush Man. Fuller, I haven't thought about Fuller Brushes for for decades. You guys are still going door to door selling physical brushes? Well, in Dave Kellett's brain, we are, yes. (laughs) 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 Yes, yes, indeed we are, sir. Yes, indeed we are. Or, or, or did you recently switch to digital brushes? I wonder. Maybe maybe that's a recent switch that you made that a comedy premise could happen over. Oh, it. All right, let's start over again. I didn't know where you were going with this. All right, let's start over again. Maybe, maybe there's a comedy premise here. Maybe maybe you're the, the freaking comedy premise that we established not two seconds ago. God damn it, Dave Kellett, king of jokes over here. Lord above. Oh, I'm available for booking at any fine uh, institution. I'm available for parties. Oh, Lord. All right.